and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. It's back to business as usual with the uh, the holiday company's dream, Marcel Mathis, and <laughs> <laughs> the ski racing knowledge that is Ben Clark, who also, were you on holiday, mate? I don't know what you were doing. You were probably on holiday as well. You Were, make, were you helping making t-shirts or what was the... What was the story? I saw this saw this chat about a t-shirt factory. If Marcel and I were starting up a t-shirt factory, you'd never see us again. We'd be so rich by now. Uh, we'd be, <laughs> exactly. All, we'd be all podcasting that by all yourself. That so much merch. They're just giving away so much content for your t-shirts. Giving Stop. it away for free. You know, you got to go with the flow, mate. No, look, I don't want to. I don't want to go into that. Um, <laughs> there was a, a very busy three days of racing for both the men and the women the men were over in aspen uh having a pretty cool time the speed track i think looked pretty cool apart from a little short potentially we'll get onto that but we're going to kick off with the women's competition which was in kvitfjell in norway on the uh, what used to be the men's track and is now the women's track and uh, I, I thought it was an epic couple of days that track is is such a fun track the women looked they had a great time yes weather affected again we'll go into that but we'll, we'll start at the beginning on Friday it was the women's super jeep where Cornelia Hooter took the win by a solitary hundredth of a second in front of Crotoni and then Goot Barami was in third just 12 hundredths back from that it was a very very tight uh, podium it was a tight top 10 actually eight tenths between first and tenth shift and fourth Brianoni fifth uh ben why don't you kick us off what do you make of, of that one over there and did you enjoy the fact that the women are racing Fitfield? did it suit them what do you think that first race was was brilliant like you said that um obviously the podium being so close was was really exciting um and i think the whole i think it was something along the lines of the whole top 15 was within a second of each other which for a speed race is quite wet, rare so that was really good fun to see people that close together and, and it kept you wondering if people were going to be able to come in um, from from quite far back um, with the, with seeing how tight it was, I, I really enjoyed the course as well. You're, you're right, there's some. It, it didn't look like the most challenging Super G, but the little technical section. There was a couple sections where you really had to get the line right. Um, and yeah, I think mean, Hooter absolutely nailed that bit of line uh, that you needed to. I think it was like a little, almost like a a little shimmy. Um, as they went down into one of the gullies and then a big right footer and she really nailed the line on that in a way that that no one else really did um and yeah it was just it was awesome racing at Quitfield. i'd be happy to watch more of that every year marcel it's actually such a shame that the men not racing there anymore i mean it's such a good track and it, it, i'm gutted actually that you know they're not racing this year but i think for the for the oh <laughs> could you hear it i can hear you no, something was saying this meeting has been recorded like a bit too late. I think I have a bit of a delay. Anyway, um, no, it's it's a real shame. <laughs> it's a real shame that the that the men are not skiing there this year. And you know what? Like the Austrian win, God, that was a blessing in disguise for the Austrians. I, I, do you know what? I think I don't I don't love that hill as a spectacle for television with the men. Uh, I don't think it's. I, I think it's a good track, but. A, I don't love it. It's slightly tame, but I think the women, re- it worked really well. I thought the Russi, I think it's the Russi jump, isn't it? The big jump there in the middle. I thought that was really good. They flew well on both the uh, speed, the Super G and the downhill. And then that technical lower bit, that's really cool. Love that big compression. I think that's the bit you're talking about, Ben, that big right foot to comp- compression. And, and then I think it's called the lift, which is that sort of free fally bit just before the run into the finish uh, is a, uh, yeah, it's an, 
epic track, but it looked like Cortoni was going to get it done. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Huta, again, yo-yo season, you never know what you're going to get from her, ups and downs. And all of a sudden, she, sm- she smashed that lower section. I think Cortoni probably thought she had it sewn up, but as did I, to be fair. Uh, Schifrin was having her long skis on. Again, didn't quite get the podiums that she was hoping, didn't get the wins that she was hoping. Maybe it's written in the stars that she'll do it on Swedish snow this coming weekend. But uh, she looked very competent, but just didn't quite have the uh, have the speed at the end of the day. Yeah, there were some there were some good sections in there, and Schifrin is it's always tough to tell just how far she's going to be on any given day on the speed skis because you just you're never quite sure how invested she is in 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 the race and. Generally, if she's there, you know she's taking it seriously, but just not having enough time to train every single discipline. Um, you, you kind of, when she has missed out races, you're never quite sure if she's in with the flow of the speed events the way that the people doing it uh, all the time are. Um, so it was it was good to see her kind of up that sharp end of the of the race, and I think we saw quite a lot of the, I guess the more technical racers. Um, performing with Tessa was up there in, in, in sixth and, and Francis Kudrich, uh even on, on the first day was seventh from, from Bib 31. So uh, form from the world champs and the, and the back end of this season. That, that's is pretty cool. Is, that's pretty cool. What are the Austrians making of that, Marcel? I mean, they are so happy though. Like, I think the whole weekend was, you know, <laughs> their, their dream weekend for the Austrians. I mean, they were a bit lucky, but in general, I think, you know, like the, the woman, the women's team on the Austrian ski team, they have been under a lot of criticism, I think it's good for them. So, I mean, the media was delighted. And to be fair enough, like all the girls said, well, we were maybe a bit lucky at some stages, but you know what? We deserved it. Which day? Probably. I don't know if they did. Well, but... you've you, you got to be in it, haven't you? And, and sometimes luck goes for you. I think the luck side of things we'll talk about a bit more heavily when it comes to the last race of the weekend. But, yeah. you know, sometimes it goes for you, sometimes it doesn't. I think... Um, I mean, it's, the... it's outdoor sport, right? So, you know, yeah. sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. And I think... That's just part of the game. No one can't complain. And I know some people might not have been happy about certain results, but it doesn't really matter in the end. Like, no one will ask in, in a month's time. No one will ask this like this week anyway. No, so. exactly. And I think it throws a chase for the Super G Globe as well for the women's pretty open there. I think it's uh, it's all very, very tight going into World Cup finals. There's a few of them up for grabs. I think it's Gooparami, uh, obviously, Cortoni, and um, Brinoni, it's pretty, cl- and, and Movinkel as well, who went into the thing leading today. She expected, we well, she probably did, but we certainly did expect bigger things from her outside the top group in, I think, pretty much everything, which was a bit of a shame uh, from her perspective going in on the back of some mega, mega cool results. But then, yeah, just not quite getting it done this weekend. Um, what else did you notice from that Super G? Or do you want to head over to the downhill? Goggia's inability to just make an adjustment in flight to stay in the course when she's going super fast. She was just like, no, I'm just going to keep running this line and then eventually skate out. Um, it was Nothing if not we committed. Don't, we don't, we, yeah, we don't often see a, like regularly winning Super Gs the way we do with downhills. And it, it is quite strange because, yeah, okay, they, they are two separate disciplines, but normally there's not that much of a discrepancy between the form in both. But... I don't know whether it's just the, the, the tightness of those turns. I mean, she she always wants to run everything out as, as kind of fast as possible, whether it just you just need to finish those turns off a bit more or a bit quicker in Super G. And it just doesn't seem to suit her for some reason. But it, she did look absolutely rapid for the you know minute or so she was in the in the course. It wasn't too far from the finish, I think, where she ended up 
uh, skier now was maybe just after the halfway point. So she looked like she was having a, 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 a typically fast Gorgia run. A decent green light as well, didn't she? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, but I, I was, uh, I think we'd mentioned on the last pod that I was on how wondering how kind of invested she'd be in the rest of the season, having pretty much wrapped up the globes. Or the globe. I, feel, I feel like I feel like she she was she was actually better a couple of years ago. Maybe that like maybe better is not the right word here, but I feel like in Super Chi she has lost a bit of her touch because she was also very good in GS and she doesn't do any GS anymore. She seems to really focus on downhill nowadays, and which is fair enough. She wins them, but I feel like when it's as you said, when it's a bit tighter turns, like there's not, you know, it's just getting a bit tricky for her. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, she just she just keeps going, doesn't she? She's just risking everything from top to bottom when you've got, I don't know, 35, 40, 45 turns that you're trying to do in, in Super G. The way that she just tackles the hill, you, it just it's going to bite you in the backside at some point, it feels like. And and she's not willing to to sort of switch up her approach, I think it's probably fair. Um, but it serves her well, doesn't it? In reality... I think without a load of crashes, I think she'd, I can't think where she is in the Super G standings. Have you got it open, Marcel? Um, I can check for you. For the women's Super G standings, because she's got to be, I th- you know, it's pretty much only DNF rating that's the thing that's... Sticky. Well, it, it seems it seems to be the only discipline really that's wide open nowadays. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, mean, yeah, she's, she's way... Only, she's only 17th. She's only 17th in the ranking, so... Not. Yeah, which seems a bit crazy because she had a big green light. And you definitely, like you say, Ben, you definitely expect more. Yeah, I think it's what is it? What's that? Twenty nine points between Gubrami and Cortoni. Huta can still wrap it up. Movinko can still wrap it up. Brinoni can still wrap it up. And yeah, so any any one of five can still take the Super G Globe coming into. Oh, it's nineteen. It's nineteen points. So actually, it's it's good because it's it's within. Um, Goop Barami's hands as well. If she, you know, obviously with 20 points being between first and second, it's absolutely up to her. But I think it's going to go down. Uh, it's going to be a very, very tight affair, um, which is awesome, which is so nice. We, you know, it's, it's a bit of a shame when it's done and dusted and so much stuff's wrapped up before you even get to World Cup finals. Um, but that uh, that was a great race. But I think the downhill was was an epic race. I really enjoyed that downhill and that piece for the women. Uh, Kasia Lee took uh, the victory. Norway's first ever World Cup downhill win. That's a crazy stat, isn't it? Uh, Godjew was second, cl- clinching her fourth downhill title. Suta was third. Stuhek fourth, Schifrin was tied in fifth uh, with Siebenhofer as well. And she, she obviously went well. Uh, Marcel, what did you make of that one? The old downhill podium? Well, pretty good, isn't it? Like, I mean, I've, actually, you know, I'm so surprised to hear that she was the first one to ever win a downhill in, uh, in the women's race for, for mm-hmm. Norway. I mean, how crazy is that stat? That is an insane stat. All, all the crazy skiers from Norway and none of them has ever won a downhill in the women's. That's mental. Yeah. But she did it in, in proper style, didn't she? That three tenths she nearly won that by. I know the Norwegians would have had a decent bit of time on that hill, uh, especially, uh, you know, having been out over in um, uh, North America. No, were the women in North America? God, where's my head gone before they were at this one? No, they were not in North America. Oh, how have I got, how have I totally long? They're in, uh, they're in Crown Montana. Yeah. Yeah, Crown Montana. So then they went up straight from there. Sorry, guys at home. Absolute, absolute mind blank there. Um, but yeah, so they would have had a bit of time on that hill, which is, which is super helpful considering nobody's ever been on it before. But she, you know, utilized home field advantage, as it were, and, and got the job done. Good for her. 
Ben, what did you think? I was that I uh, watching that one. I, Apart from enjoying the fact that I just couldn't think about what was going on, what day of the week it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll skip over those those bits. Um, there was some uh, stuff on the commentary. I think there was was there like high winds at the top, and they had to change the change the course so that they went off the different angle of the jump. Well, they, they basically came, didn't uh, go off the jump rather than yeah. They, they still mentioned the Rusi jump loads, but they also said they changed the course before inspection, which I feel is a little bit harsh if you've done the training run with it set one way and then you're asked to race it with it set another way. I know it's only, I think, only one or two gates that they moved, but I thought it was a bit... Uh, um, yeah, they basically just didn't send them off the actual jump, so... Mm. Um, but yeah, look, you know, watching it, when she went down, it looked like uh, a Vikov Lear had had an absolute monster but when you've got an early bib number I think she went down three it's it's really hard to know if it's just you know the first two haven't gone very fast and she's the first one to put a real run down or whether it's actually going to be competing for the lead and I think as more and more people came down you had a feeling but for just how good that run was so when mm. I think when Suter came down not long after and uh, and, and Schifrin, we were like, okay, that, that's a that's a pretty pretty solid run there. Um, I thought Schifrin could have done a bit better. She she got her line, I think, all wrong um, through just that. Just after the Jans the Jansrud turn, they've just the newly named Jans Jansrud right footer. Is that yeah, what they call um, it? Yeah. I, I I don't know. Svindal's a bit mad that he didn't have something named after him. He's probably got a mountain somewhere named after him, so he's probably, <laughs> probably doing all right somewhere. But yeah, I did notice the uh, the Jans return. But yeah, I think Schifrin got a couple line errors in there and her speed down the bottom was absolutely rapid. So if she got the line right through that section, the way um, Vikov Lee had, it might have been a lot closer. She might have been able to kind of get in there. I think she was like seven tenths off, but it looked like she really messed up the line in there. So she could have could have got quite a lot more out of it. Um, but then, yeah, when you when you can beat Godger in a straight up straight up race, you know you've had an absolute brilliant day because it wasn't like Godger was riding nets or anything too wild on on that run. There were some mistakes, but. Nothing that made you say, "Oh, that's not, mis- not mistakes away, by so Godger to... standards." So, really, were they? But yeah, yeah, definitely... yeah. If, if it's a if a Godger mistake, it normally ends up in a, in a, in the nets, basically. Yeah, for <laughs> most people, it's a near miss, but for her, it's it's probably just a bit of a yeah blip. But um, yeah, no, no. Oh, who was it? Um, was it that race where? Um, oh god, the Austrian. I knew I was going to do this. This is going to be. I'm Peter. sorry. It's going to be the whole night. No, um, Puckner. Was that that she was going really quickly and DNF'd? Was that in that? Was that in the downhill or was that in the super G? The that follow- was in the super G. Um, so um, Hooter was doing pretty well in that race, and she got compressed in that dip and spun out. Um, and I was a bit worried she might have hurt her knee, but obviously she she raced the next day, so she was good. But yeah, I think it was the the, the final super G. Um, put put her had two two big green lights and just completely misread one of the one of the lines and, and ended up inside again. Yeah, but the, all in all, that those first two days, the weather yes was a bit breezy, a bit windy, but in, I thought in general it was really nice. A shame that they didn't go off that jump because it's got such a long landing. But I guess it was gust. Like they said on comms that it was gusty, didn't they? So if, I mean, if it's gusty, to send them off what is a, a sort of fifty meter flight is. Is probably easier easier to avoid uh, than send some of them over. But it's it's a it's a perfect jump in reality because it's sort of it, it flows really nicely with the mountain. You actually don't go crazy high for the amount of height for the amount of distance that you get. 
the uh, the, the the rollers at the top were really fun as well. I think there were a couple where it was like a roller followed by like a double roller, and it was kind of almost shades of uh, um, Val yeah, the um, in, in the, in the men's obviously at the top. Uh, yeah, obviously at the top as opposed to the to the bottom, but it looked to be like they're actually asking the uh, women to kind of make a decision on how they wanted to approach that because there were quite a few people you see kind of getting unweighted uh, when they were getting it wrong and stuff. So, it's, you know, like you said, it's, it's good terrain to be able to not just whack your skis down and just be tucking yeah. the whole way down. So I quite enjoyed the fact that there were those kind of technical elements to it whilst also still having some pretty good top speeds as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's got a really nice blend. Uh, Marcel, why, did you like that as a men's race then? Do you think that was a good spe- spectacle before we move away from downhill? No, I think he is. I think, uh, you know what, well, it's like, uh, I think it's such a traditional race. And if they race it from the top, I mean, have you ever raced it? Yeah. What do you think about it? Uh, I really liked it. I, I did like it. But I would say that it was it was one of the ones you turned up and felt good that you were there, whereas some of them you turn up and you go, oh, this this is this is dangerous <laughs> it, didn't, it wasn't one that struck fear into you like the top you know the start gate was pretty out the start was relatively straightforward a bit rolly then it was like the, i think it's called the ice fall which is that first you go very close to a sort of frozen waterfall on the left and then it's quite and then it's quite mellow all through that section over the big rusty jump then now the newly named yanzra turn which is quite which is relatively straightforward then that long flat and then it's like the last bit with that huge compression then a very technical finish but it was i really enjoyed it but it was certainly one that I think Man- Manny Osborne parody one there, Kroll one there, and I think that sort of yeah. But it's nice to see you know some, oh, it some needs to, I think other skills, other skills to be good. Yeah, I mean we talked about that on last on the last pod when I had the A team in uh, with uh, fellows mm-hmm. and and Mark Telling, <laughs> and so we we were talking. Oh, that, really, that really is the A team, Jesus it, Christ! I know you two don't turn up and actually get some people that know what they're talking about. In tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you did have. I'm glad you did have some experts finally on, on the show. <laughs> um, but but I think we were talking about it because we were we were remarking on how the f- slalom in uh, in Palisades Tahoe for the men was pretty mellow and relatively sedate. Trying to, I mean, although somebody did contact me on Twitter and said they didn't, you know, they've skied that section and it isn't steep and it isn't flat, but comparatively to a lot of stops in the World Cup Tour, it is quite flat. And that was said by the athletes, not by me. Well, it was said by me, but they said it first. Uh, so, <laughs> um, they, uh, and, and Nick, I think it was, and, and Mark backed him up actually, to be fair. They said that actually, do you know what? It's a world tour on lots of different snows in lots of different countries and we lo- need lots of different types of, of hill that test different skill sets and that's certainly a gliding sort of terrain reading piece rather than you know a, a kitzbühel or a bormio which is part of you know like you say i i really like it. it's a women's event i definitely think that it is uh it's it's a really good challenge for the women and i think as long as it's as long as fitfield stays on the circuit either a men's race or a women's race i think that's the most important thing um, and then go to the highlight for me of the weekend. I absolutely love watching this um, this uh, Super G, the, the, which was so fun. I mean, the weather got better. And I love a good sort of result that's a, a bit, you know, the plucky underdogs or whatever. And, and uh, Nina Ortley from Bib 31 took the win. Steph Veneer uh, from Bib 29 was in second. Francisca Gritch uh, in third, Bib 26. Then Godgia 
who was the long-time leader uh, in fourth, and Emma Eicher of Germany from Bib 33 rounded out the top three. An Austrian one, two, three. Marcel, it seems only fair that you get to uh, talk about this one first and maybe be a bit nicer about the Austrians. I am very nice about the Austrians. I got to say, they were so happy. They even admitted that it maybe was a bit lucky, but I think it's the first one, two, three in like 20 years or something. Yeah, I think it's like 2003, 2005, something like that. I think was Which seems, seems a long way for the Austrians, but they were obviously so, so, so chuffed. I mean, I would be as well. That was amazing. Yeah, the the weather conditions did get better. It was fair, really heavy blizzard, and I think the early numbers weren't very impressed. I think the one that sticks out in memory, I think um, Ben's favourite, Altessa Worley, had something to say about it in the finish area. She wasn't best impressed with the conditions. She, I think she she said something to camera. She was pushing out of the uh, out of the finish area. Um, but you know what? As far as I'm concerned, like like we said off air and like everyone says all of the time we race outdoors so conditions change but 99 percent of world cups the best people in the world get the best conditions so for the odd occasion where the best people in the race don't get the best conditions i think it's i think it's a great turn up for the books don't you think ben 100 yeah and I, was, I was looking back through some some of the results as well you know and it was what visibly very different for Ortley, Bernier and Gritch than it was for the, the early starters. But at the same time, Jasmine Fleury, who went first when it was the middle of a blizzard with the most amount of fresh snow on the track, she still ended up sixth. So, so it wasn't like a complete flip of the Yeah, and she made a massive mistake at the bottom as well. She could have, without that mistake, she would have been, she could have even still been on the podium. And 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 Schifrin as well, her bottom section was, was rapid and she was started seventh and, and finished seventh. So it wasn't like it was completely the conditions. It was definitely visibly clearer for those later runners. But you can see from the rest of the results, the Austrians clearly had either a feel for the snow or the track all weekend. They had people performing far better than they have done all season. And maybe some of that's a bit of confidence of, of the results of the like of Gritch has had so far um, in, in recent weeks or anything along those lines but it you know it was awesome to see and as it was getting clearer you could almost get the anticipation from from the athletes and the commentators that there might be something on here for the later starters as you started to see just a few more gates or pick out a little bit more of the terrain and it was you know it's it's awesome to watch like you said I, I completely agree the vast majority of the time in this sport you you know if you're not starting right at the beginning your life's a lot harder than it is for those people. So every now and then for it to be the other way and not completely uh, yeah. impossible for them. The fact that, you know, Schifrin could still ski into seventh that early on shows that it's, you know, yes, she's the best skier in the world, but also shows that it wasn't, un, you know, unfair. And I think that's the thing that's important is as long as the, you know, race officials are making sure that it's safe for those races at the start and you're not running a race where everyone's saying, should we really be doing this? that's when you need to start raising questions about a race. No, I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Marcel, what did, uh, what did the Austrian press make of it? Have they been losing their, losing their marbles about this one? Of course they have, as always. No, but you know what? It's the funny. Start, it's of actually, a new, start of a new dawn. Start of a new era. The Austrian ski team, the dark force is back. That's what, they written. That's what they've written. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, they were... <laughs> but you know what? Actually, this has a lot of implications, right? So, 
before the race in Super G, not many people were actually qualified. Well, not many, but a couple less were qualified for the finals, for example. So, like, you know, Ortlib made it, I think, uh, what's her name? Um, yeah. Gritch, like all of those girls, like they made it to the finals because of those results. Yeah. Is, which is pretty, pretty cool for them, which is pretty good for Austria, and which is pretty good for the, you know, for the spots next year for Austria because obviously they are being calculated you know by the people who are doing well and then that's good for Austria because they I think they were at risk of losing some yes yeah uh, I mean I know I know that in between both of your holidays you would have found time to listen to the pod last week but we were yeah. talking about uh I haven't finished it I couldn't wait for it to come out well, yeah, as you should be. Um, I was, we were talking about, uh, and I'd be interested to get your guys' opinion on it, about um, Mike Day and, be, and the hot property that he must be for the Austrian team. Nick Fellows was talking about the British team uh, or, or any other <laughs> big teams looking out for, for the likes of Mike Day. What, what do you guys think? Do you think that's a, a potential that, you know, the Austrians are going to go hunting for a new, a new coach, obviously with... Uh, the exit of um maybe they give it another shot with Leonsberg giving her a private coach. Mike Day is gonna be the one. It'll be pretty I mean it's a it'd be a great story though, wouldn't it? Imagine. And then she will be winning the overall World Cup. Can you imagine that? That would be a real That's that's Hollywood like, that is. That's Hollywood stuff that is. That would be a real F you. Yeah. But what do you what do you guys think? Isn't that sort of I mean, he will definitely easily get a job. Like, I mean, he's a he's a you know a great coach. He's coached some really good athletes. It's not just Schiffer that is coach. He's coached some other great athletes before. Of course, he will get a job pretty quickly. But do you think the Austri- like the Austrians, obviously, like are they still going to be sort of re- I- reshuffling everything? I mean, you know, it's this time. I don't know. I feel like I feel like the communication was an issue with um, Magoni and Liensberger, so I'm not sure how good that will be. But I don't know. You know, I mean, maybe pay for some English lessons during the during the summer for some Austrians, and then they can they can easily go being coached by him. Ben, any thoughts on that one? I mean, if you're going to get paid to coach the Austrian team, you should probably be giving him the Austrian lesson, surely, rather than <laughs> making all of them that. I mean, granted, most of their English, most of their English teams are pretty good anyway at the best of times, the amount of interviews they have to give. Um, but, I mean, like Marcel was saying, he, you imagine he'll be able to get a job in, in racing. I guess the Austrians need to, to work out what works best for that women's team because whatever they've tried this year hasn't really worked it was interesting saying is it the kind of start of a new era I mean Marcel you know how old um, uh, Mortlieb is but I think Veneer's like I think she's 30 Hooter's 30 Puckner's 30-ish I think as well like they're not they're not young racers anymore I know obviously today people go on a lot racing uh, racing a lot longer than they used to but you know that's they those races have, you know, they've not got a massive amount of time left on their on on their careers, um. So they do need to keep performing like they did this weekend to to keep that going. Mm. Um. But obviously there are some some younger people in that squad as well. But I think similar to what we've talked about with the with the tech team and the women's, they seem capable of throwing in amazing results, but just churning them in week in week out just hasn't been there for a while. Um, since the likes of kind of Anna Weiss probably on the on on the women's side and um, maybe uh, Maria Maria Reich, um 
Uh, I don't know she was German. Who's uh, uh, Benny Wright? Marley Shield slash Reich. That's what I was thinking. Reich. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'll like, edit that. Just... I'll edit that bit out for you, Ben. Definitely. No, don't mix no, them up. Those two. Come on. <laughs> no, no. It's Reich and Reich. Too, too, too similar. Um, <laughs> but that. But it's been a while since they've had those kind of regular performances, dominant, and obviously dominant the performances. Likes of, with the likes of Ortlieb, obviously, it's always been injuries. It'll be a couple of podiums and then a year out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully now this is something they can move on from and, and they need to be careful with what they do with the coaches because the last thing they need is to kind of disrupt whatever's going on right now because that's like Ortlieb, a good environment. Ortlieb's is the consistency because in the downhill, she I don't know where she finished, but her 29th skiing in downhill was not her best. I think is the, is the way I'll politically correctly phrase that one. Uh, uh, so, and then, but that's how, that seems to be her skiing at the moment. I don't really understand. I, I don't understand it at all. It's got to be an absolute nightmare for the coaches um, to try and figure out how best to, to to unleash her potential. I mean, yes, like we talked about, the weather was played its part in the Sunday's race, but she still had to beat good skiers even with favourable conditions. Other people had favourable conditions and she still was the one that came out on top. So, With her, a lot of it, I mean, obviously I don't, don't know her, um, but it does seem like confidence on the on the day. Like, I think if she'd gone down at the start in the, in the bad weather, I don't think she would have skied anywhere near the way she did. Just, no. I think one of the other races recently where she, she looked a shadow of herself was just, she just didn't look confident enough to go as fast as she possibly yes. could and just looked visibly like she just backed right off it. And when you've had the crashes and injuries that she has, unless you're kind of, you know, wired like God here, it's just constant pedal to the metal, you know, you can be for, forgiven for possibly not getting involved. And I think that's something, um, I don't know if we discussed it at the time, that I was certainly thinking to myself watching the races is when you rely so much on confidence in speed events, on those days where the light is really flat and it is snowing, but the race is still going ahead, should athletes be allowed to say, you know what, I'm, I don't feel comfortable racing today rather than racing and coming 30th and feeling like they're bad at their job? Is it almost yeah, better well, for them they, if they, they can, just... They can say that, though, can't they? they? They can, but it's, it's certainly something that I've never seen anyone feel comfortable doing at a no. race. No, put because, it that way. And, yeah, but you, you, you just can't... If if the if Fizz deem it safe, I don't know. I don't know, and I certainly can't think of any off the top of my head. People that have gone, do you know what? I'm not going to start, especially not like a top thirty skier, because it, if Fizz think it's okay, they're in charge of the safety. Other people are going to race. Like you just like you, you mentally yourself. If you chose to sit out, how are you supposed to bounce back the next time it's a bit foggy or a bit windy? So I just don't think, I think you need it. And we'll get onto that in a minute because I think we're coming towards the end of this women's stuff. But talking about, the, we'll go and talk about the men's where uh, the conditions were were disgusting, <laughs> disgusting uh, or horrendous um, on that, especially on that first day. I think it would just, you have to trust in the governing body that are there and in charge of what's going on. But if you don't want to yeah. race, you don't have to race. You, you just, you know, no coach, there isn't a single coach that will tell you you have to race or pack your bags and you're out of here. But I do get what you're saying. You sure? You sure? I'm going. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was just a, a, something that came across me. And it's probably more for people like Otley who have had, you know, really bad crashes and injuries in, in the past. Yeah. That if you don't, if you, especially in those flat light ones where you're really not, you, you know, in your own mind, you're not going to be confident yeah. with how hard you press. And we've talked about trying to ski at 80% is sometimes more dangerous than going flat out because the skis don't respond the way they do in training. Um, for those con- races where the conditions are like that, if you know you're not going to be able to ski properly, should you just step back? Obviously, you then still have to, every time it's even remotely foggy, have to make that decision. But yeah. it was just something that was an, an interesting discussion. And because so few racers are wired to, to think like that, yeah. um, that you just don't kind of hear an, anything about it. But it was, I think, seeing some of the races where people visibly back off and you think, well, if you're going to do yeah. that on the way down, why are you racing? Yeah, I mean, there was some pretty, there were, especially on that last day when it was those bad conditions uh, on the, for the early start numbers, you definitely saw two types of races there. You definitely saw the ones that went, right, it's, I'm here to race, I'm going to keep going and just going to, you know, only got one gear. And you definitely saw the ones that sort of uh, were less than committed down through some of those tougher turns. And that's where, like you say, Ben, that easily is where it bites you in the backside because you've decided to cruise your way down and then you hit a bump when your ski isn't loaded properly and you end up taking a, a, a nasty trip into some nets. But Marcel, you got anything to add on that one before we move off? No, I think that's, that's it. That's good. Good stuff. Nice. So with us now... Entering... <laughs> Thanks again for your valuable input. Yeah, I mean, that is... <laughs> That is why you aren't on the A team. Uh, That's why. Exactly. See, <laughs> this is what you. This is what you've told me you want me to say. Like just acknowledging that you are right and that you. <laughs> that's that's basically the only reason why I'm allowed to be on a podcast. Yeah. So you make me sound. You make me sound smart, uh, and you just agree with whatever I say. Exactly. That's why I'm here for. That is uh, perfect. You're my fluffer. I like it. It's my. Fu- <laughs> Yeah, uh, anyway right so um <laughs> we are now uh, approaching the penultimate race weekend of the world cup season and bring you up to date with the standings of the ski racing podcast predictions league uh nick farrow leads the way by three points in front of rob great great batch who is in second jason shorter is in third uh, a further two two points behind that ian finley is in fourth and audrey curtis rounds out the top five uh ben i'll be in there somewhere surely ben you and i are tied <laughs> last in, in, in 45th uh marcel is a little bit further back in uh, what fifth, in 53rd <laughs> that is a joke Mate, it's not even me that it's not even me that collates these anymore. So you, you're gonna have to take that up uh, with Gareth, not with me, I'm afraid. So uh, yeah, you can all the defending champion <laughs> uh, Jamie Aldridge, uh, who has won the two preceding Crystal Goblets, is uh, down in 35th. So he will be unable to defend his title because I don't think he is going to be able. Have to you be- done? Have you done the math there? Are you sure? I mean, mathematically, it's probably still possible. But... Okay. Are we, we going to do special rule changes like F1 and have double points for the... Yeah, World I think Cup it's double, points, double <laughs> points for the hosts uh, of the podcast. 
uh, and then maybe negative five for you two to start with for for this weekend. <laughs> um, but that's how it sounds. I will endeavour to put that online. Uh, apologies again. It's coming. Uh, so the men, I think that's it for the uh, for the half the little interlude. Uh, the men were racing over in Aspen. It was great to see them back over in Aspen. What what a crazy uh, venue it is to be back at on the World Cup tour. Uh, the first day, the downhill on the Friday. Uh, we'll definitely got to start there. Sarah Stead, the unlucky man leading the way. Kriegmeier was in second. Ryan Cochran Siegel on home snow was in third. Kilda was down in sixth. Uh, so mm, cancelled, I mean, the weather, you talked about the weather in the last race, how it changed from the beginning of the end to the race, but it, it, I don't think it could have been more chalk and cheese, could it? Those early numbers were proper sunshine. Yes, still a bit breezy, but beautiful sunshine for the first few. Then the, then the piece worker fell, poor bugger, and uh, looked like he'd done himself a bit of an injury, which delayed the race by about 15, 20 minutes or so. Uh, and then um, uh, and then it really did start to come in. Uh, ben, what did you make of that one, mate? It's It's got to be the right decision. I don't think that one's in doubt, but what do you make of it all? Yeah, I didn't have any complaints with that. I guess the, the question is, should it have gone on as, as long as it did kind of thing? I think the similar kind of things you mentioned about Tessa saying in the women's race, I think there were a few people, I think even Odomat kind of went past and, and the camera and said, good race or something on the way past. Yeah, but he, yeah, at um, least that's slightly tongue-in-cheek. Quite tongue-in-cheek, yeah. yeah whereas um, Andy, what, think... Andy Sander skied past the thing and went, F*** you. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know. I've been trying to find out if Fizz take a view on that, whether there's any sort of... Uh, I mean, I know colourful language, especially from the likes of people like Marcel, it is uh, every day. But uh, you, do you know what I mean? I think it's one of those where That's know, bit, letting out, I mean, I haven't had to use your bleep for a long time, apart from in this episode already a couple of times. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the Marcel bleep, as it's now dubbed. Um, yeah, I think I get an expletive sort of in the midst of, you know, not finishing or something like that, but to sort of stand there and point to the camera and uh yeah say say that sort of thing i'd be very interested uh, ben you carry on sorry mate you can you can touch on that as whatever you were going to say you'd love it um <laughs> yeah you'd love it if it was christopherson she could have Maybe. a rant about how uh how much of a strop he threw um but yeah so there were certainly people that were struggling and i think in the same way we said shifrin skiing in those tougher conditions in the women's race we're still able to get you know right up there the fact that the likes of Kilda and Odomat were like two and a half three seconds off was showing you just how different that race was and as much as we were talking outdoor racing these things happen etc etc it just didn't feel like the race was fair or safe at that point so I think they made the right call they probably could have done it a bit earlier obviously like you said the, the accident that the course worker had and, and delay that cause. They, they were probably hoping that they could get up to 30. But it started at like 11.30 local time. Like, surely getting a race done, uh, you know, is better than is better than making it sort of fit for TV times. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always an interesting one. Obviously, we don't know what... I mean, I certainly don't know how much these kind of like TV contracts and everything are, are, are worth and, and how much penalty fist would have to pay for moving a race outside of those various windows and, and whatever else just to make sure it was done 
but at the same time there's only so much you know as good as weather forecasts can be they can also be completely wrong so you don't want to just presume it's going to be too bad yeah um later on in the day but like we said the, the uh, you know welfare of the athletes has to come first and it was getting to the point where there was a lot of fresh snow about the racers really couldn't see where they were going like we just talked about with the women's there's a lot of people not being able to commit to turns and that's really not what you want for downhills you know you can't be going at that kind of speed without putting full effort and full power into the turns what do you think myself? Myself? i totally agree i mean <laughs> you know what do you want to say <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm such i'm such a good addition i i'm i'm really i'm literally a hype man both of your hype men you, you just say all the right things and i just say yeah that's all right what what did you reckon with uh creek Meyer for that he looked like he absolutely nailed it on the on that first day to be, to um, be fair, like, before I think, the weather came in i think they were a big he, he was definitely gutted i mean because you know he it's actually so funny well, not, not funny with him but you can see that he's a bit frustrated right now you can just see that he's not the next two races he was definitely i mean he's still a good result at fourth and six is not bad at all but he's just he's so frustrated and obviously there's a lot of you know a lot of pressure on his shoulder now with being like well basically the only one who has a chance of winning anything you know i was gonna when... say there's it feels uh, like creek my retiring has really heaped so much pressure on uh, Maya retiring sorry has heaped so much pressure on Creek Maya that he just hasn't looked to enjoy it as much as he normally does kind of flying under the radar and letting Maya do all of the, the kind of press and pressure stuff and he just kind of pops up with the podiums in the background whereas now it seems like everything's just focused fully on him it's, it's, it's such a big change up though isn't it I think we, we have touched on this before um but I don't think you can underestimate how much uh, like a duo or a partnership or just a friendship on in that environment, somebody that you've been through so much with can have like a huge effect on it. Like every, every race that he's gone to since Maya stopped going to world cups, has been really different for him, a different vibe, different person to talk to, different person to travel with and room with and inspect with and train with. And, uh, you know, I know the guy's not dead, but, it's it's different it's you know it is different in terms of like how that affects your your day-to-day and it definitely definitely play it would play a big part i think we saw it when with uh Jansrud when when um svindal retired definitely definitely saw a different type of skier when he was on his own you know leading the way than when he was with svindal so i think that's kind of understandable it just he still looks really good, just doesn't seem to have the same pace that he that he had before. He still looks like he's turning the ski so nice, especially in that that super G on the last day, which we'll get to. But he, I thought he looked really good, just doesn't quite have the pace. I think the the, the snow certainly suited him, and I think Nick mentioned it a couple of times in the commentary. With it being that kind of super grippy North American snow, you can't just whack the edges on. You do need to be a bit more subtle to try yeah. and get on and off. And and obviously that suits him because he has got such a great touch on the skis. It kind of suited him really well. So, yeah, I think it was just an, an, a shame for him because obviously he didn't do anything with, with the weather and obviously absolutely gutting for um, Smy Sarastead because that would have been his, you know, first ever, um, uh, you know, World Cup podium or, or, or win and he could have, he 
you know, he looked he looked really kind of conflicted in the finish area when they uh, first of all he was just excited to be beating people, and then when Kilda came down two seconds off him, he looked like, well, this is this is a bit embarrassing. Mm. But then as they got closer and closer, he was like, but now I've, it's beginning to dawn on me that I might not get this World Cup win. Yeah, he looked really uh, guilty. He, <laughs> he looked really guilty, didn't he? He looked so guilty. But then heartbroken because you're like, well, I still really want to win a World Cup, and we're about six people away from it becoming a reality. And, and now they're really well. The yeah and he skewed really well you know he beat all the guys that around him that had the similar conditions to him early on so it wasn't you know it didn't go from being great for his number and then the the person directly behind him was uh you know in a blizzard so he skied he did ski really well but yeah he looked so guilty sort of sitting there seeing like you know all the big guns come down and be miles behind him sort of yeah Kilda was 1.63 behind he's probably never beaten Kilda by 1.63 in his entire <laughs> life <laughs> so to see that you're like oh yeah kind of thing this isn't maybe fair but I'm about to win a world cup <laughs> something I've dreamt for my entire life but right thing though eh, Marcel what can you do right thing uh downhill time so the first race of the uh, that we actually got away for the men was uh, the second downhill on the Saturday where Kilda was back to his absolute best. He monstered his way down there, powered his way to a victory by 0.61 of a second in front of Crawford. Odomat back on the downhill podium yet again, 0.63 back. So two honeys behind Crawford. Kriegmeier fourth. Claret was going great guns, wasn't he? He was absolutely flying until that mistake. I think it was like about four or five gates from home on uh, something about straw pile. I think it was that little section uh, in fifth. Uh, Bryce Bennett, finally back in a top 10, was 10th on home snow. Uh, Marcel, kick us off. So you've got something to say rather than just yes. No, I actually, you know what? I'm feeling too minded about the downhill there. It looks pretty boring on top, but it looks pretty quick on the bottom um and I know I've been there and uh, like it's very steep I have to say it's very steep you did World Cup final were you at World Cup finals there no we actually just did like some Norum Cups there once it was a giant slalom but it's all like kind of on the same track anyway there's not really much that you can do there um and I think I think it's good because there are lots of like blind rollers people don't haven't skied very often there it's a great downhill but I find the top bit really boring <laughs> I don't know why it's you know when you go like up the hill yeah, yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's a shame that it wasn't super icy. Like, I think if it would be very icy, it would be really tricky to ski there. Um, yeah. It, it, that was a it, bit of a shame. But, yeah, it was. I think it's it's always hard, I think, when when the conditions don't sort of have the effect on on how something could ski. As long as you get a good race, a bit like that Palisades Tahoe, the conditions were pretty gross, but the... Uh, but the guys made it work really well. And actually, we've got some really, really good races. And actually, think apart from apart from Kilda, who smashed it, uh, the rest of the racing was really good, I thought. But yeah, that top section, so much pushing. They're pushing for like 300 meters um, out of the gate. And then you've got like two bits and then another flat section. And then, it's, and then it sort of gets into it. But like you say, like you said, for Kvitfiel, different skill set, mate. Slow tucking. Exactly. And the technicians got to work out, didn't they? Try and figure out that snow. Which is which is always the hard bit, really. Like, I think North American snow, because it's so different to what you have in Europe, I think it's really tricky to find the right setup. And you could see, I mean, it might have been because of the wind as well, but a lot of people were struggling with their, with their gliding yeah, you skills. Had, 
Yeah, you did have some different, like some massive time differences, didn't you, on that opening split, which was just a tuck fest. Yeah, like, like in the Super G and in the downhill, like both on, like there was so such big differences. I don't know, maybe it was like actually windy up there. It, it did but, look gusty again, but... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, but I know, for example, in a, I think in the Super G it was like someone, I think Kriefmeier, he was like already seven tenths behind at the top. Like, you yeah. know, if, you, if you're in the finish, like thinking about where you lo- where you lost the time i mean it's it's really it's really yeah, hard i think he was like point six six seven six nine something like that down on the opening split and then lost like i think like nine hundredths from there yeah, like, there in the bottom really really good race in general but you know it doesn't really it doesn't really help if you're like so far behind on top if you've already given it away doing nothing but tucking exactly it's crazy um that's sometimes how it goes, but yeah, it's hard. I think it's really hard when you can't tell whether it's, you know, that's not necessarily the athlete. Although I know that we shouldn't be blaming equipment or conditions, but you know, yep, but a good sportsman always blames the tools, so that's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the, that's the phrase. That I'm pretty sure that's what you tell kids. That's certainly what I'll be telling Mav when uh, when he, when he picks up his sports. Don't worry, equipment. don't worry. I'll tell him. I'll tell him, Daddy. Bad skis for you today. Sorry, that was your dad's fault. <laughs> uh, ben, what did you make of it, mate? I really wanted it to be a, uh, a, a differently phrased question so I could just say, I agree, and carry on with Marcel's uh, theme for the evening. <laughs> um, you should have just gone with it and just been silent. <laughs> <laughs> just said, I agree. You're right. Um, no, the top section was was an interesting one. So I, the, the notes that I'd made were, were kind of Odomat and Crawford. They both went, I think they went pretty close to each other. I think they were 11 and 12. And they were both miles down on that first split on, on Kilder and, and either held it or made up time the rest of the way. So that was one of the, the questions I had was, was, was it, you know, breezy at the top or is, is Kilder just so powerful that he just, just accelerates better than anyone else at the top? Um but yeah, the big the big takeaways on there were were um, I think Clare because I think not only that mistake just before the finish he had one slightly higher up as well that like mm. it cost him quite a bit of time so I was like that could have been an absolutely Imagine. epic way to yeah. possibly be bowing out or, you know he still hasn't formally retired yet but I think most people think he's going to retire now if he could have I hope he does on the podium just, yeah just do you want to see him racing like 41, 42, 43 yeah, just keep again. going just keep going son while you're doing those while you're still like you know, he easily could have podium. One mistake. I mean, I know that you cut. You know, you got to get to the finish and yada yada yada. But you know, the guy's got some ridiculous pace. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. The the other thing was was Smyster said on that second downhill. He had a bunch of green lights as well before he skied out, and I felt really yeah. bad for him when he skied out, having almost won the day before until it got cancelled. And then uh, that was coming. Uh, that was definitely coming. You could sit. You know, even before the day, even before the the day started. Uh, I knew that he was going to DNF. You just could, you knew what he was going to do because he's a aggressive, dynamic sort of risk-taking skier anyway, which is one of the reasons why he's picked up so many injuries in his career, most probably. But he, you knew that he was just going to go at that one and try and prove everything. And just um, real shame because, yeah, he, imagine, imagine that. Imagine like how good that would have felt to be denied your first victory and then to come down and just dominate him you know proper mic drop moment of uh, taking a win and just sort of two fingers up to the rest of you the thing that it was kind of, i mean granted it was not his own fault but it reminded me a little bit of um uh, uh grenier 
after having the, the DQ and then winning the following week or whatever the next yeah. GS was. Obviously, that was her own kind of mistake, but that kind of like really showing that you've got the mental strength to come back from that kind of adversity. And I felt really bad for her. Gesundheit. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nick was saying on commentary um, that. Uh, you know, Kilda had come out and said, you know, keep skiing like that and you'll 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 get your podium, you'll get your wins kind of thing. So obviously we've talked about that Norwegian team, you know, no end this season. But it is good that, that Kilda is that kind of not sorry, father figure, but he's supporting those guys. He's, you know, he's not off to the side. He is part of that. He's a leader, isn't he? He really is. They do, yeah, they, they do support each other. Don't, don't tell uh, Christopherson that, Jesus. <laughs> well, no, Christopherson <laughs> did his own leadership thing, didn't he? In the finish when they were waiting for the AJ, uh, the AJ decision. He was there, you know, he wasn't on the podium, but he was cruising around there, arm around everybody and being, you know, Christopherson the nice guy, Christopherson the, the warm and cuddly, you know, that's what we should do, Marcel. We should just show uh, Mav a highlight of Christopherson's drops and be like, this is what your dad wants from you. <laughs> <laughs> not, not blaming the technician, just, just blaming everything. Blaming uh, everything. <laughs> throwing his equipment around. Yeah, that, that Actually, he's, he's, he's so tame nowadays. It's actually a bit boring. I want, I want to go back. Just like that, I mean, that's, that's Hersh's fault. You know, don't bring my yeah. brand into disrepute with your antics. Only win. That's it. Just you, podium. You wait until the uh, until that slalom tours round up, and if Christopherson get, doesn't get it done, then <laughs> fireworks <laughs> will go off. Um, okay, onto the Super G. Unless you got anything to add. No. no. Uh, last race was the uh, was the Super G, uh, and it was another great race. I thought you know snow conditions. Yes, again tricky. Weather conditions were tricky, but Odomat. Uh, absolutely on fire, just going super direct. Uh, Sander, Andy Sander, picking up his first uh, ever World Cup podium. Only five hundredths behind, actually. I thought that was very, very good. Uh, then Kilda was in third point three four. But Babinski finally getting to getting some sort of form on the Super G skis after being told that he's uh, Austria's next big Super G hope in fourth. Mayar in fifth, and then Nico Gower from Bib fifty three for Liechtenstein into sick i have to admit i didn't see that one uh i was um i, I did catch that one on uh, the results list but yeah 0.65 back pretty epic there there are a few there there are a few of those ed because there would uh was it riley seager from canada was in 10th from bib 51 eric ardverson from bib 52 was 14th and jared goldberg from bib 45 was tied 14th as well so there were four people from outside of the top 40 finished in the top 15 which is a bit mental um so you'd have to say that you know i didn't think the conditions were, were, were too bad for the the start of the super g obviously you know odomat started at the beginning but i don't know if it cleared up tremendously or just the snow just got mega fast later on but it is awesome when like you said you know like you know not a unfair way but just you know people being able to show just how fast they can go although this was a ridiculously short super g it was like one minute six it was like a sprint super g yeah i don't know why that we i think we talked about that didn't we Marcel? was it was it with you marcel we were talking about that um about how don't get it when there's a downhill there as well so there is scope for them to move the start up and make it longer uh but yeah it does seem a bit yeah a minute six you're like What's wrong with the top bit of the downhill? If you just just make them do a ski a bit longer, I know it's a bit it's a bit annoying, but you know what you want to do. That's Good. life. 
Nice. Cheers. <laughs> no, but seriously. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really productive today, aren't I? <laughs> you know, this is the insights that we've missed over the last couple of weeks, mate. You know, exactly. But now I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Just with quality, quality <laughs> sort of opinion and, you know, bringing a World Cup podium knowledge to the ski racing I, I media. I did listen to some recent podcasts and the quality was lacking. So I thought I'm going to give my humble opinion on certain things. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Marcel's listening to the last two and still had no t-shirt ideas and they want to create the band this, is, this will not continue yeah, they're, all, they're all in the making <laughs> t-shirts they're currently in somewhat in Asia being produced <laughs> so. I thought you were going to hand make them yourself Marcel. how many how many different designs have we got about 100 they all involve uh, killed a shipwreck in a heart shape uh. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm actually going to produce them in, in Great Britain Oh the yeah, good thing. The Brexit T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be tricky to actually ship them from Europe into into the UK. So I'll, I'll do home homegrown T-shirts. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it just seems. Do you know what? Everybody's getting in on that now. I've I've now come to the the conclusion that I think it's just a big PR still. Those two aren't even in a relationship. It's literally about media. They, they don't even like each other. They've they've seen each other three times for photo ops. And it's, just, it's just a it's a PR smoke screen. They they barely even speak to each other. They don't even like each other. It's all it's all rubbish. Just, just Oakley and Atomic forcing them to yeah. Fair enough. Somebody's masterminded um, this from and just making them millions of that. people like you two just lapping it up. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you just let us be happy, Ed? You know, we're enjoying this beautiful love story on the mountains of the world, and you're here telling us it's, it's all fake. I can't handle this today. Wait, we're going to see um, all this. We're, all, we're going to see it in a couple of weeks' time because they're going to be in the same venue, and it's just going to be a Kilda Schifrin love in for the whole of Soldeo. Oh my god! Good, can't wait. Really excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but can we go back to the race? Then? Yeah, 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 probably best. Probably it. best. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think I know we already mentioned uh, Creekmire again. But again, he looked like he had the the speed. I was annoyed when he, uh, um, having had a, a couple slight errors in there, and I think on that course because it's so short you really didn't have time to kind of make a mistake and build back into the speed the way you see sometimes in some of the downhills you can you can have the odd error provided it's not in a you know flat tucking section and you can still get the get the speed back and 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 make up that difference whereas this was if you dropped behind you were you were in trouble um but again similarly i think we said it for the for the downhill what was really weird was i don't quite know how kilda managed to lose the time he lost because at the first split he was like 0.48 in front of Odomat and yes. then somehow ended up behind it. I was like, once I saw that first split, I was like, well, there's no way Kilda's losing that much time the rest of the way down. He didn't look like he did anything massively wrong. Hmm. Um, it just goes to show just once Odomat gets going, just how fast he is. Yeah, he's like, and uh, wraps himself up the Super G title as well, doesn't he? So that's all done, that's all done and dusted on the men's side of things. And, um, He's looked he's looked ridiculously good, hasn't he? Just just doesn't look like he could put a foot wrong. Even when he's on the edge, the guy somehow still miles inside like racing lines and stuff. He just looks effortlessly cool, effortlessly quick. Um, 
But yeah, some big performances from some names that are sticking their hands in the air for some late season form to make the summer easier. Um, but I think it's a great way to finish. The only thing that was, did you guys see, I only saw it in the social media stuff, the um, the thing with uh, the guy going into the B-nets at the bottom uh, of the hill and then they carried on racing. The French guy, um, they didn't yellow flag him and he basically skied around the last two gates and there was uh, and they put a thing on social media. Uh, no, Allegra, it was Nils Allegra um, had a bit of a wobble, but the Nets, Simon Jocker, had already come out. I see you're both looking back through your notes. Was that the downhill or was that? I thought that was a super G. No, no idea. Simon Jocker okay. basically nailed it into like round that last sort of left footer towards the finish area, ended up in the B nets. And then Nils Allegra uh, was racing round, had a bit of a moment at the same spot and would have, uh, if he'd actually fallen, there was basically no B nets left there because they'd all fallen down. Uh, but he managed to get yeah. to the finish, and he talked about in social media, sort of giving giving Fizz a bit of a hard time about, you know, putting safety first, and that he should have been yellow flags and uh, and and the likes. But yeah, that was the, that was a downhill. So I was just looking back over over the results. Um, but again, I think this was something that came out of the weekend, and there was a, a few points in commentary because the weather was a bit sketchy. They were running absolute minimal uh, time. Um, Gaps between intervals, each racer, intervals, yeah. so so they were just firing them out of the start. Half the time, you weren't even getting any slow mos. They were just going straight back to the top for the next person, which does leave you open to that. And you almost, you know, obviously in more traditional yeah, the flags are downhills, you've got you've only got two zones for the flags, or or however many there are in any given course. But you feel like if you're running races that quickly. They could have easily gone he past might have the yellow flag. The, yeah. yeah, so you, you almost need more or you need a, a way to be able to, to stop a race. Because like you said, that you know that is really dangerous. And you know the reason the nets are there is because people do crash. So just presuming because one person's crashed, the next person won't, you know, you know, Fitz will probably get in trouble for that. Um, and You're right. Actually, that's that something I didn't consider. Rep yeah. That's something I didn't consider, game. Ben, with the, uh, like you say, with the start intervals, that was so tight that's probably right he probably because it was he fell uh, right sort of a couple of hundred, you know 100 meters if that 50 meters from the finish line so by that point he, he could have easy, well, very easily been past that yellow flag zone so if they are going to potentially you know they would have known that the weather isn't great so we could move it forward this the intervals so then yeah maybe they need to make sure that they're a bit more on top of what could happen in terms of that so then they're yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Marcel, that's, you know, that's the sort of info <laughs> that, you know, added something. Yeah. No, that, that, actually, I learned a lot as well now. Thank you. <laughs> who'd, who'd have thought it was the guy from only ever did measly slalom and GS at a very poor level knows about how speed races are run? No, it's yeah. because Ed is literally, like, infecting you with, like, that speed virus. <laughs> Like it's a lab-made virus. It's a lab-made virus <laughs> that it's like releases on everyone. You I guys wish I'd got infected with a speed virus when I was actually a ski race. It would have been really handy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to edit it out that it was you that said it anyway, Ben. And I'll just I'll just re-record me saying it, and then and you and you just can you just say, oh yeah, that was right. Yes, that's good thinking, Ed. You've probably got enough clips of myself saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Just replay one of those clips. <laughs> All right, fair days, fair days. Uh, anything else to add before we uh, look forward to the weekend? What I would say is I would just 
think this, I, I think I can't remember who it was now. Maybe it was maybe it was Nick on commentary said a couple of times about oh people might be a bit mad with the racers flying from the world champs over to North America and then back again. The fact that these races have gone off pretty well, you know, effectively in the middle of blizzards as well. I think we probably at some point as well Fisk should probably revisit the should there be like a North American leg of the tour where you know men's and women's are over there for a few weeks having a bunch of different races and a bunch of different resorts because it did always feel a bit weird there was just you know kind of Beaver Creek and uh yeah and 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 Salt Lake City at the start of the season then see you um everything else being in Europe with the snow conditions the way they are I think well they haven't really got these races off yeah. so well should hopefully mean that it's something they consider for the future because the snow does appear to be better for longer in, in North America. It doesn't mean have any less races in, in Europe, but just schedule it so that, you know, we do take into account the, you know, climate change and carbon. And well, I know that Marcel, Marcel, this is, the world. Marcel, this is certainly something that you've, I think you already raised, so you will have something to say about this one. Because uh, I think they're talking about... Um, uh, how they should maybe not start the season when they do, push it back, and then finish the season slightly later. So just adjust that slightly. But they also haven't released the calendar for next year, which normally they will have done by now because they are trying to figure out uh, how a calendar works. But also you've got to take in all of these, you know, the classics, if you like, and we'll talk about the men's classics, it's probably, it's probably more rightly or wrongly probably more set in stone but you look at Veng- Vengen's always the same weekend Kitzbühel's always the same weekend uh Schladming's always the same day straight after so you've got all of these things you're trying to uh, work out how to adjust the schedule so that you don't go to Beaver Creek Lake Louise or whatever the Lake Louise replacement's going to be and then come back and then go back because obviously I think there is definitely we do need to still be doing a world tour we can't be doing a uh, a baseball sorry baseball fans but doing like you know the best the world championships of baseball that only have american teams in there maybe a couple of <laughs> i don't i don't know the full ins out so maybe not the right analogy but you know what i mean it can't be the ski racing world cup and only be in north america for two races just it, it's not right so i think it's, it's quite hard to it's quite hard to get like one of those calendars right i think you know we're criticizing all the time but this is it's very tricky and by the looks of it, and my, my theory was always like, it's, you know, they should start later and finish later. But, I mean, I've been to Austria recently and there's not really much as well. So I don't know how it's going to be in like a month's time. So that that theory might be out of the window. Um, and I thought that was one of my best ones. But um, I think they're, they're looking at it. Uh, Johan Eliash is very climate orientated. I mean, he he's bought a bunch of... Um, uh, hectares of rainforest to try and protect so i think it, you know he's very much yeah, but, sort of... but then didn't yeah well anyway go on, go on. <laughs> go on. Which, which grenade which uh, sort of maybe palm maybe. oil are you going to throw all over this one i don't know so now what happened all of us yeah i don't know i don't know i mean he did it to, to be fair he did buy some rainforest um i think he's basically my point is that he's he is aware and it's something that he is interested in. Yeah. You know, I, you know, he's not burying his head in the snow, is he? You know, or, or lack of snow or the mud. Um, so I think that's certainly something that he'll, that they are looking at, which is why the calendar has not been released yet. The calendar has normally released. Uh, anything else to add? No. 
All right. Uh, so this coming weekend, the World Cup tour continues, the penultimate weekend of World Cup racing. Uh, the men are double GS in Kranzkogora, Slovenia, whereas the women are up in RA racing GS. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. All right. I just Googled it now. Okay. So there was, there was a controversy about the rainforest. In June 2020, at 28, the Brazilian and international media reported that the company Gethal, owned by Liosh, had been issued a fine of 450 million real, how many, I don't know how much that is, for alleged illegal deforestation in the Amazon region. So maybe he bought it to just, you know, get some new furniture. <laughs> oh, Marcel, you just took a whole different spin on that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, use the ski anyway he, he, he probably knows where you live i don't think he knows where i live uh well, he, he lives he lives in london doesn't he yeah he you know i know where he lives but he doesn't know where i live i'm pretty sure he knows where you live being a head athlete well not anymore i'm kessler now all the way through and through uh anyway. a really good skis, by the way just can i have a quick advertisement for it if you ever try some new skis try kessler's i had the best time skiing in a very long time and i love them I mean, do you want to give us some free ones to test and we can talk can, about how great Maybe I can are? do. Yeah, maybe. Perfect. Perfect. That's, our, that's the salary for the year for, for the podcast. Sounds like a good one to me. I'll take it. Um, right. Racing. Boys, coming weekend, uh, RA for women, Kranzkogora for men. Who is going to win on the women's giant slalom, Marcel Mathis? God, it's a tricky one. I hope, oh God, I do hope on one hand she's going to make, get that record in now, but then it being in Sweden, I think that would be quite, that would be quite harsh on Denmark. I think he's going to be there. He's supposedly, supposedly, it, word on the street is he's going to travel. He's going to be there. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Schifrin is going to win and she's going to get a big hug from Denmark. <laughs> he's going to present her with her. Kilda and Kilda is going to send her. No, shut up. I'm <laughs> muting you. You're absolutely. <laughs> cut off mid I've, I've literally muted him right that's enough enough <laughs> from that guy uh ben go on i'll just carry on my marco left off then no um, you can <laughs> shut up as well then that's it i i, I unmuted myself again I, um, <laughs> no. um i think the way the gs has gone this year if, it, if it's not going to be shifrin it's going to be one of the uh one of the italians uh so i'm gonna go with uh brignone uh, I'm going to go Goop Barami then. Keep that one. Keep that one spicy. Uh, ben Slalom, women. That I will say, Schiffer and Paul. That one's yeah. nailed on. Me too. I don't think anybody's going to get anywhere close to her. And uh, what are you saying? I say me too. Okay. So Lindberger. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I go for a Raposo. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then uh, that's quite apt, isn't it? The home of Raposo's great triumph last year. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> can he do it again? Will he, he do it again? That's he question. will believe that he can do it again, and that is part of the battle for him, or is it? Uh, anyway, men, all, all the pressure, all exactly all the pressure. He's, he's promised big things to the Van Deer team for Kranz Gagora. Uh, and so on the men's side of things. Uh, ben, why don't you go first? Giant slalom race one. Marco Odermatt. Odermatt. Oh, how 
that's inspirational. I like that actually. Lovely. <laughs> so that's a I mean, you're welcome. To, you're, you're welcome to pick Pantera if you want, Marcel, with his newfound form and speed again. I'll skip that one actually. Um, I go for who else? Oh, Christopherson. Yeah, I'm going to go Schwartz for me. Oh, he had a crash. He looked tired. He did look tired, actually. He looked yeah. like he's got heavy legs. He looked like yeah. he had heavy legs. But I feel like, he, uh, you know, I've got faith. Uh, and then Marco Odomat race two. <laughs> <laughs> Marcel? Um, I go for Odomat, the second race as well. Why not? I'm not copying you two, um, but I am torn between two different people. Um, oh, yes, so you can, you, can, you, can, you can help. Yeah, I'm going to pick a nation. Um, <laughs> I, I'm torn between uh, the two two of the best technicians out there in Kranjic and uh, Mayard for the second one, because I feel like you've got to get your, uh, you've got to be stable on uh uh, on Kranchagora and you've got to have your, your technique on point and those two are absolutely incredible um, but at the same time I just yeah I'm not quite sure which one of them's got it in them um, oh, I Mayo's know. had you better should... form this year hasn't he but Kranjic just it's feel like he's got something yeah, special I'd say I'd say May I'd say Mayar if you if you could rewind his form a couple of weeks but all that racing and all that travelling he definitely uh, says me who picked Schwarz but looks like he's tired. Um, <laughs> Schwartz, who literally crashed in the last race, he took part in. Yeah, because he was so tired. He got so compressed. He didn't have anything just left sat, in his legs. Just sat, just sat down. He said, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, down. If anybody's going to fight, if anybody's going to know how to do good recoveries, it's going to be the Austrians. Crazy uh, Manning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd love to, I'd right. love to see him do really well. I'd love to see him finish off the season properly because I feel like he, he may need a little booster. I'm going. I'm going. Cranjet. You talk. You talk me out of Mayard. If he wins, I'm going to be absolutely furious. Well, um, don't forget, you and I are tied in our in the league. And I that's right. I picked. I picked about on the first day, so I've got one. I've got one favourite in there, and I've got Schifrin in the slalom. So there you go. This is this the favourites out of the way. How many points are you ahead of me? Uh, we are like three hundred and twenty-seven points ahead of you. We. Yeah, are... That's still pretty bad, actually, because I haven't been I haven't been on this on the podcast for a while, actually. And you, you can still I, I enter. Sub- I, I submit my entries, but somehow they're disappearing. By the way. Yeah, no, that's you uh, don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you know? Uh, where's Marcel? He's well, I have there. access to the to the sheets. Just you wait and fight in. in oh, you're like thirty. You are actually thirty points behind us, so you're you're out of this one, mate. No goblet for you. Thirty no points. That's not bad. I still can have a good chance. I mean, not there's a I lot of races in the World Cup finals. Not if, not if the pair of us just go, we let you go first in every pick and just copy exactly what <laughs> you do. Just man-marking you out of contention. That's something Arsenal would do. Right, Ben? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, anything meaningful to add before this degrades any further? <laughs> No, looking forward to some more racing. Boys, it was absolutely delightful to have the two big brains of ski racing back on the pod. <laughs> we are very lucky that you that you are, are back. Uh, so thanks, and until next time, it's bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>